Bullets, the day after the Rockets draft, they were thrilled. This is Jonathan Fagan with Danielle Lerner and the Texas Sports Nation podcast. And we'll do just a quick recap. The, the Rockets got Jabari Smith Jr. when he did not go, as so many predicted for so long, we won't name names, to the Orlando Magic. So they get Jabari Smith. They get Tari Eason, as many predicted, and at least one person should have stuck with. And then they added Ty Ty Washington. Uh, so quite a haul of SEC players. Danielle, how should the Rockets feel about this? Well, I think Jabari Smith Jr. is obviously the headliner there. And the Rockets were going to feel good about taking any of the players who were projected to go in the top three and did, in fact, go in the top three, which was Smith, Paolo Bancaro, and Chet Holmgren. Um, I think that, you know, the magic taking Bancaro first shook up uh, a lot of people's draft boards. But in the end, you know, you have Smith available at three. The Rockets were not going to complain about that. Certainly not. And I think we had talked about Smith a couple of times on this podcast um, before the NCAA tournament and after the NCAA tournament and the draft lottery and said, you know, we think that he's a great player. He's a fantastic shooter for his size. He's a great defender. He seems like he would fit very, very well with everything that the Rockets are trying to do. Same can be said for Easton. Um, Washington, a, a little bit less sure of. Um, he's kind of a combo guard. Um, we'll have to see how he fits in the Rockets' backcourt and Rafael Stone, of course, could not talk about him immediately after the draft because that trade involving Christian Wood had not been finalized until this morning. But, yeah, I think it's a good haul. Yeah. Um, you know, going back to Jabari Smith, I, I did say on a different podcast where I was asked directly, and this was about a month ago, who would you pick number one? And I said Jabari Smith. Now, I also have to acknowledge that it was a really close call. I could make arguments for any of the three. Uh, in a lot of ways, I started feeling like Bancaro has the most well-rounded game. I, I think Jabari Smith of the three guys, Bancaro, Holmgren, and Smith, had the best combination of high floor and high ceiling. In other words, I don't think he can go wrong. When you are an elite shooter with great length, What's the worst that can happen? Uh, I mean, it, and he has, I, I love his shot. It, you know, all the comparisons, and we've heard some pretty excited comparisons when some of the ESPN guys bring up Kevin Durant. It's like, whoa, you're really making a comparison there. The one I have not heard, and it doesn't pan out in a lot of ways, but he reminds me of a tall Clay Thompson. Uh, his game is, is very different, but that shot, it's so efficient, so no wasted motion at all in his shot. And in that regard, that's Clay Thompson-like. Where And what a thing to say about a 6'10 guy who can move and seems to have a frame to be more physical. Now, there's other parts of Clay Thompson's game which are completely different. You know, one plays like a big man, the other plays like a guard, but... That shot, you just can't go wrong with that. And so, you know, I always thought, and most people did, he would be a, a really good choice for whatever team had the first pick. I think, as you said, for the Rockets, uh, a team that shoots a ton of threes and misses a ton of threes, 
to add that is just no wonder Rafael Stone couldn't keep his normal stone face and was so excited last night. And then, you know, I thought Tari Eason was perfect for the Rockets all along. I came to think they would not choose him, that they would choose a wing, but the wings that I had them going were off the board. Uh, some people think he can be a three, but, you know, and in one of the mock drafts when I had the Rockets take him, I pointed out he's the oldest player the Rockets have taken since Rafael Stone became general manager. But they draft for upside, and he is full of upside. And so he is, Tari Eason is a really exciting pick, to use Rafael Stone's word, at 17. I think people are really going to like watching him in the hopes that he will develop more of his offensive game. Well, and if you just look at Easton and what he was able to do at LSU, improving from his freshman year at Cincinnati, it's remarkable. And he wasn't even starting at LSU. You know, LSU staff is, has pretty much readily admitted in interviews that Easton was their best player, but essentially said, well, we couldn't start him because we had just promised all these other guys that they were going to start instead. And so he was playing with fewer minutes than a lot of their stars and just doubling their their averages, like in rebounding and scoring. Um, so that's impressive in itself. And then his defense, um, he guarded every single position. He played kind of like a stretch five at times in college. I don't think he'll be doing that that much in the NBA here. But, um, you know, in time, Rafael Stone said, yeah, I think he can be that guy still and guard one through five here. It's going to take a learning curve, of course, but. Sounds to me like there's a Sunday feature in the works. I, I'm going to go ahead and I, I think I hear one coming. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that's the one reason I backed off of him in my mock drafts. If, if he's a stretch five, a defensive switchable five, well, isn't that what Usman Garuba is, what is going to be or they hope will be? But just a whole lot of people say, yeah, but give him time and you could put him at a three with length and strength, you know, long arms, I think 7'2 wingspan, gigantic Kawhi Leonard hands. Uh, and he, he had, I used the word in a couple different places last night, ferocity, that he attacks the rim hard and he plays hard. He, he and this was a, an area of strength, but also concern in that at LSU, he bullied opponents. Well, you're not bullying people in the NBA. But, well, some people do, you know. Kawhi Leonard does. And so I don't, I don't mean to make that, put that on him. Yeah, go be this guy. But there are some qualities that are, wow, you know, really exciting about Tari Eason at 17. And, and he, do, he, he gives you some fit, but best player available, uh, especially based on upside. He, he's loaded with that. Um, it's uh, very interesting. And then the other thing about it is Jabari Smith, he's 6'10". He's pretty much a four who can defend like a three in time. Is that your starting? Are those your starting forwards? And if they are, what incredible length to have in the front court. Yeah. that's. And then it was pointed out, how does that fit? with Alperin Shangun. Well, let's see. One guy's an elite 
potentially elite passer. One guy's a potentially elite shooter uh, in Shangun and Smith. Uh, that should go well together. Uh, so there's a lot. I mean, the day after the draft, teams, especially lottery teams that pick real high, are supposed to be excited. But things fell well for the Rockets. And we thought this after the lottery, when they got top three, that, wow, that's that, that works. They got top three. They're going to get a guy worthy of a number one pick. And they did. You know what the other part about it, I wonder, is I, I think on lottery night, the Rocket fans were somewhat disappointed. And in the weeks that followed, that, well, okay, Ben Carroll, it's pretty darn good consolation prize, but it's still a consolation prize. And then I think the weeks that followed, they started seeing his qualities and they started warming up to the idea and getting excited about that because he has some really, you know, obvious great traits to him. And said, all right, now you start to get excited about Ben Carroll rather than Smith. No Rocket fan is spending his time thinking about how good Jabari Smith is going to be for the magic. I wonder now that it is Jabari Smith, the guy that Rocket fans, I believe, wanted most of all heading into the lottery. Have they switched back? And all right, we got our guy. I think maybe, I don't know. Maybe that develops over the weekend after another press conference and, you know, a chance to to see him and hear him again. It would be hard to not be excited about any of those top three guys, right? So uh, I think that the the pivot that the Rockets had to make there, it, it wasn't that much of a pivot. Although, of course, the, the big thing that was going around immediately after that happened was that Jabari Smith didn't even work out for the Rockets. You know, he felt like he wasn't going to drop past the top two. So he didn't bother working out for anyone besides Orlando and Oklahoma City. Um, but, you know, Rafael Stone has said anyway that he, you know, he first of all, he watched uh, Smith in person during his college season at Auburn, but also he relies a lot on tape when he's evaluating draft prospects. So, you know, they know what they're getting. I don't think that there's that much risk in not having had him here to work out yet. Well, actually, I don't think he did anything. I think judging from three SEC picks, they just let Chuck Hayes run the draft this year. Chuck, you go, you go ahead and take it. You just, you, and you know what? Go to Lexington, see whoever comes into town, and we'll just take those guys. But, and, and, you know, Shaden Sharp didn't play. Otherwise, they might have chosen him. <laughs> uh, uh, probably not. But, and that's the thing. The, the Rockets' way of running the draft is everyone's a scout. That, we're not giving a bunch of titles. You're a scout. And everyone is supposed to do their own work and, and everyone see everybody, whether it's on video or in person or through analytics or all of the above. And then you weigh in and you're expected to make your argument. If you think it should be Javari Smith, make the argument, whatever it is. And you do all this before Rafael Stone or Eli Wittes who basically make the decisions before they weigh in. So if you're Matt Bullard, if you're Ed Pinckney or Chuck Hayes, Chris Wallace, you're saying what you think of Tari Eason or Ty Ty Washington. And then, you know, they take all that input and make their call. So 
I don't think Chuck Hayes really dictated that it's all SEC all the time this year, but you can kind of see how it unfolded because these are guys who are all high upside selections of, of you know, you go to Ty, Ty, Ty Washington, uh, they ended up with him with the 29th pick. They had the 26th pick or at least control of the 26th pick from Dallas. They used that in a deal to get a couple second round picks in years. They did not have second round picks, 25 and 27, and then moved back to the 29th pick, took Ty Ty Washington, who has a chance to really exceed his draft position. A lot of people, in fact, the consensus was he'd go 17 to the Rockets. Uh, They got him at 29. And again, it's an upside pick because he has areas he needs to develop. But boy, if if he can get his three-point shot, which does not look broken, he made 35% last year from three. If he can get that to be a real threat, it's going to unlock so much of his game because he is a real shifty, good guy with the ball. You make him more of a point. He is outstanding in the mid-range, has a really good floater. Is he going to develop in the Kyle Lowry mode of just getting stronger and stronger as his three-point shot? If it develops, he he can be a steal at 29. That's what happens when you take a guy at 29 who has a flaw and and strengths and potential to repair the flaw. Well, yeah, and as you pointed out, he seems to be equally comfortable facilitating and scoring, which is good, and you can, you know, kind of mold him to put emphasis on one or the other uh, more often, depending on what you need from the players surrounding them. Now, obviously, with Kevin Porter Jr., they are trying to also make him into more of a point guard, but he can score um, in loads if he needs to. So having another player to do that, um, I think would be really, really good. And, and Josh Christopher is another guy that's, of course, in that backcourt fold who, you know, his shooting is better than Washington's right now. He can also attack the rim. He was working on getting more aggressive with that at the end of last season. So I think that you have a lot of really versatile pieces as far as guards go. Um, and the other thing is Washington is familiar with both Josh uh, Christopher and Jalen Green, um, a little bit from playing AAU. You know, he grew up in, in Arizona, not that far away from uh, California. And so they often were in the same grassroots circuits during the summer. You know, all the guys that age, when you get invited to different top prospect camps and elite camps, you're seeing the same guys a lot. So, you know, that they haven't played together at length or anything like that. Um, but as far as just being comfortable with one another and, you know, being in a very young team, but with guys who, you know, you kind of are a little bit aware of their skill set, they're maybe aware of yours. I think that that helps a long way with chemistry. Yeah. You know, if everything pans out of all those young guards and, and throw Dacian Nix into that mix as well, if all that pans out, which is not how life works, but you take all these young guys, you can kind of see it being a, a backup backcourt to where the starter sits and it just solidifies, that's fine. You know, Tyus Jones with Memphis last year. So John Morant goes out, we, you know, ankle injury or just out of the game. That's all right. You know, we're, you, this guy holds it down. Um, Dacian Nix is an actual point guard, a true point guard, but he has a bigger size to where you could see playing him with Ty Ty Washington. And if teams have to, 
close out on Washington in a catch and shoot situation, boy, he, he can really attack off the dribble. So that works well with the Knicks. Or if he's the guy handling the ball, it works well with a Josh Christopher. And so you can see that if they continue to develop, the big if, you know, it's not every guy you draft does not become everything you hope he will be. But if all of these guys do become that, you can see them not just being guys with upside, but a fit with one another. And it is also interesting. Josh Christopher obviously brings a great deal of defensive potential, uh, you know, outstanding defensive potential. Ty Ty Washington moves his feet pretty well. He's not an explosive athlete, but another really long-armed guy. The selection of Smith, Eason, and Washington is a real benefit for the tailors of Houston, who are going to be making custom-made shirts for these guys. Because you're not getting something off the rack for the, I mean, most NBA players aren't anyway, but you're not getting stuff off the rack for these guys because they, the Rockets seem to have really collected long armed guys, uh, which if they do excel defensively, then when you're switching, as you said in the beginning, that's a real quality to have. Yeah, I think the the defense is the biggest thing that, assuming these three develop as as projected, the defense is the biggest thing that's going to benefit for the Rockets right away. Um, of course, right you away. take that right away. Well, well, not right away, but you know, you know what I mean. Although you take that with a grain of salt anyway, because is it that hard to make any sort of improvement when you were last in the league in almost every single defensive metric? You know, even even improving a little bit is still improvement. That's still something. Um, but yeah, there is going to be a learning curve, of course, on defense. That's how it goes for for all rookies. Um, you know, as you said earlier, you're not going to bully anyone in the NBA, um, and that certainly is going to apply on the defensive end of the floor as well. But if you have you these know what's guys, interesting about that though. Uh, and this is a, a question for Stephen Silas when the time comes. He wanted to get his defense more advanced. From It was so basic last year. Can he do that if you're playing two or three rookies? Probably two, whatever it is. Or will they be able to do that and play a more advanced defense because they're playing with guys who are? You know, now that Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green and Alfred Shingoon theoretically are rel- relative are able to do that. Um, I mean, the Rockets can't be last defensively again. Uh, they, they Because they had guys who played last year. Th- those are the, the defense is going to improve because of those guys, not necessarily because of the skills of the ones they bring in. Yeah. Well, and, and the most immediate thing that I can say about that is maybe even if the defensive schemes don't get more complicated, I think the, the potential to just turn the other team over and get out in transition is really, really good with these guys. Like they are phenomenal in transition. And you can just imagine, you know, Easton running the floor to the rim and getting an outlet pass from someone or, you know, Smith and Green getting up the floor and setting a high pick and roll. Um, Like, I think that the the potential there uh, is really, really exciting, especially, you know, with the wingspans of Easton and, and Smith, they're known for just being really active disruptors on defense. So um, the Rockets, of course, were extremely turnover prone themselves last season. That's probably going to continue to some extent just with them being a young team again. 
Um, but if you can in turn be the people forcing turnovers all the time and you make sure that you capitalize and score on those opportunities, that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, people are going to love seeing Tyree Eason on a break. I mean, again, talk about the ferocity, but I thought you brought up a really good point that, you know, early offense, high pick and pop with Green and Smith, uh, the spacing that Jalen Green will now have to work with. And one of the most, one of the areas that improved the most for the Rockets last year, and, I, you know, Jalen Green, you probably point to most of all, going from where he was in the beginning to the end of the year. But from year to year, was Kevin Porter Jr. catch and shoot where that was not his game. And he was really efficient. If you put the ball in Jalen Green's hands and say, go downhill, I think some of it will depend. Yeah, you're also still going to need Albert and Shingun to be a, a threat. Uh, I'm not sure how you make some of that work. Uh, the nice thing about Alpi is you can run pick and roll where he's not a lob threat, but it allows him to move without a body on him, and then he goes to work inside. But all of which is with the spacing that comes with Kevin Porter Jr. on one side and Jabari Smith Jr. on the other, Jalen Green, how do, you, how do you defend that guy? You know, it, it, they, the Rockets have a chance as these guys develop and when they merit big minutes to have a really explosive offense. Again, it, it all becomes about how long it takes for the defense to come around. And then there are other things that will happen this offseason. And that's the other thing. And, and Rafael Stone kind of pointed that out. Uh, you know, the offseason hasn't really even begun yet. Uh, so if we transition to that on the subject of, you know, transition offense, um, you know, I'm not sure a lot changes. Now, you can consider it a lot if they buy out or trade John Wall or if they trade Eric Gordon. Both are significant things. But in terms of the future, the way this roster will look, I'm not sure that's going to be determined in the next few weeks as free agency begins. They, they got to get something. If they, of course, they get a lot in if they're trading John Wall, but assuming that's not happening and it's a buyout, uh, they're setting themselves up for free agency next summer with the cap room uh, by not bringing back guys. With Eric Gordon... There's more and more talk, uh, you know, and this is never going to, because everybody around the league knows, okay, he doesn't fit their timetable. Even more so, they just drafted the youngest of the top draft picks in Jabari Smith. He's the one who just turned 19. Uh, so that his timetable doesn't match. How important are these next few weeks for augmenting all these young players? Do they need to add to the rotation? Do they need... Uh, just get a seasoned pro point guard. Do they need a, a true center? You know, right now, Jabari Smith's the tallest guy on the team. You know, we're saying, you know, he's going to be a, a, a three one day, maybe a, a four slash three. That's your tallest player. Am I forgetting somebody? You know, I, 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 with apologies to Bruno Fernando, uh, who, by the way, is a free agent. So do they need, I, you know, I wrote a story last week that the Rockets have begun preparations for what centers do they pursue. 
I don't think they use full mid-level. I, I, I'll go ahead and answer my own question a little bit. I do not think they use a full taxpayer mid-level because if they do, that's a guy, first of all, to get those kind of guys, you need to give them the years. And that's a guy you're, you're making your starter. You're not doing that. And they don't want to do that. They do not want to add a guy over Shangun. But, you know, do you need a true center, a rim protector or a big man? Or do you just make it Boban Marjanovic and say on the nights you need a really big guy, you need to sort of solidify the rebounding, you need to get a giant jar of mustard off the top shelf, do you just say, okay, stick with Boban? Well, I think Boban is already used to being used kind of in that limited role, right? He's comfortable with that um, from his time in Dallas. He he wasn't like the guy there. Um, and so I think that that wouldn't be such a bad thing in Houston. Um, but I also think that, yeah, as, as you said, if they go out and get someone else in free agency to play center, it's not going to be to start. It's not going to be, um, you know, to, to play over Singoon unless they really, really need it. But I could see the, the Rockets almost going with what the Warriors have done um, really up until these playoffs where their default is a smaller lineup. And then they had Kevon Looney to bring in off the bench when they momentarily needed someone to kind of do that hard, dirty work. And Draymond Green wasn't going to be the guy who got it done at the five. Um, so I think having that versatility and balance on the roster would be a good thing, but I don't think it's ultimately going to affect how the Rockets want to roll out their starting five. Well, yeah, that, that's a great point because if you do it that way and you, you continue to play Usman Garuba as a five and you're playing him with Tari Eason off the bench and Jayshon Tate, whether he starts or not, he typically plays with that, a second unit group to give you another passer with that group. Now you're talking three front court guys who can switch everything. That's with, with Garuba, there's just switch, switch everything. And that's a chance. I mean, that offensively, okay. I mean, there's many reasons the Rockets need and Jayshon needs to get his shot to be a reliable threat. But wow, defensively, you, you like front courts that you can switch that much. When you can switch with your center and your four and your three, and Jayshon's got to be able to knock down shots to be a three. But that's pretty interesting too. Yeah, I do think though, they, you know, a few years ago when they went small, and I'd love it if they keep Boban, you know, for many reasons, most of all selfishly, now that we're going to be back in locker rooms. Okay, we, we want him in there. And I did notice I didn't get any reaction at all from referencing the mustard. But, okay, but, I, I, you know, you go back a few years ago when they went to the famous small ball lineup and started one game with, with P.J. Tucker at center and nobody taller than the 6'5 guy, and then they went to Covington, who was taller, after that one game. But they wanted that year to get a fill-in center, uh, Nerland's Noel. Uh, they wanted to make that trade and it didn't get done, but they wanted somebody off the bench for circumstances when they need it. I, I think they might need to do that again, whether it's Boban or somebody else. And since they did not draft a Jalen, even though there were about six Jalens or Jadens in the in the draft, maybe it's Jalen Smith. You know, go go out and get him and, and see if he can be that kind of guy. Um, 
but I think that's what you're looking at a free agency. I don't, it's next year where they look to add the real significant piece as opposed to a strategic backup. And it's become a rocket tradition now. They signed a free agent center each of the last two years with Daniel Tice and Christian Wood. So another reason, which by the way, before we wrap it up, the, the Christian, we haven't talked a lot about the Christian Wood trade. Um, what do you think? How, how should we assess the Christian Wood era in Rockets basketball? I mean, look, the guy was the, the leading scorer and rebounder this last season. And even if you say, well, yeah, because he was one of the oldest, most experienced guys on the team with uh, a bunch of, you know, 20-year-olds, essentially, um, that's I think that he deserves more credit than Rockets fans at times gave him. Um, I do think that it's probably good for him to get out of here because, you know, he was not going to supersede Alperen Shingun as kind of the, the centerpiece that they want to build around in the front court. Um, and I think Dallas could be a good place for him. And then I think the Rockets accomplished what they primarily wanted out of that trade, which was to get a third first round pick um, for this draft. And even though that did end up falling three spots from 26 to 29, as we discussed early in the podcast, they ended up with Ty Ty Washington, a tremendous value pick. So I think even before the trade, the, the second part of the trade with Minnesota uh, occurred that we knew about last night, it was a good deal on the Rockets' behalf. Yeah, you know, I think you make a good point that there, there's some obvious warts on his game in his two years here, and that's why the Rockets struggled to get a first-round pick. I mean, they tried at the trade deadline to, to get a first-round pick for him and couldn't do it. And obviously they'd like to have one earlier, just couldn't do it. His reputation around the league is what it is. Um, he, I don't think having the worst record in the league for two years was his fault, but he wasn't the solution either. Uh, you know, he, he he's your veteran leading scorer, leading rebounder. He could not prevent that. And obviously his defensive intensity would sometimes disappear on you. And he would be a guy who would break a play, which is not what they want in the future. If somebody's going to be doing that, it should be Jalen Green. Uh, so he he uh, he didn't fit, but he was signed to be the third or fourth best player on a team, you know, behind James Harden and Russell Westbrook and then John Wall and maybe Eric Gordon, not to be the first or second best player. Uh, on a team and that's not his fault he did not trade James Harden or force James Harden to force his way out uh, so you know his tenure sort of happened to him rather than to fault of his own and you're right he should flourish in a contract year playing with Luka Doncic uh, he, he did real well so that worked out for him and you know this isn't the Rockets goal but boy, they've done right by the people they've traded. Sent P.J. Tucker where he wanted to go and where he got a championship. Sent James Harden to where he wanted to be. Christian Wood to Dallas where he plays with Luka. Uh, I don't uh, Daniel Tice to where, you know, he, he got to the finals and where he's had his greatest success and been happiest in the NBA. In some of those cases, yeah, they were trying to do right by the guy. I'm not sure that was what they were thinking with Christian Wood, but they sure did a solid for him too. 
for whatever that's worth. It, it was time. Just as the John Wall thing, that they went ahead and benched him for a year to play Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green and put the ball in their hands. It was time with Christian Wood as well to play Alperin Shangun and now Jabari Smith Jr. and run the offense to their strengths. And which brings us back to last night. The Rockets did acquire a few obvious strengths. Uh, it's how you rebuild. You, you get picks like this. Pretty good to have gotten the second and third pick and guys who are absolutely worthy of the first pick in consecutive years. The Rockets haven't had two top five picks in consecutive years since Ralph Sampson and Akeem Olajuwon. So that's a pretty good start to your rebuild. But now you got to build the guys you, you drafted. Uh, makes them a very interesting team. I don't know that they're going to be big winners yet, but they are a very interesting team with a lot of hope. With that, that'll do it for the uh, podcast. We will be back again. I guess we'll talk free agency in greater depth. So check back with us next week. We're going to do these as sort of the news merits, but a whole lot of news going on right now. For Danielle Lerner, this is Jonathan Fagan. Thanks for being with us on the podcast. Be back with you soon.